Well, hello, friends. I'm Tim Brahim, and welcome to the 360 Experience Podcast with this episode with Carl White. This is a bonus episode. We usually do two episodes a month, and then this particular month, we're going to do three. I didn't wanted to jump on the opportunity to have a conversation with Carl, especially in today's market where marketing is such an important topic and one that Carl White excels at. He's uh, been passionate about it for more than a couple of decades in the mortgage business. He is the host of the Loan Officer Freedom Podcast. He is the CEO of Mortgage Marketing Animals, and he is a successful branch manager for a major mortgage company and has been doing this, as I said, for more than a couple of decades. This conversation with Carl and I uh, is assured to be full of value, uh, and, and I really want to focus on the topic of marketing, and in particular, database management and marketing to real estate agents in today's market. Before I bring Carl onto the show, I'd like to please remind you of how important it is to the show that you subscribe in whatever channel you're watching this on. So if you're on YouTube or, or, or Google Podcasts or Apple or Spotify, please make sure you subscribe. And if you like the show, we'd really appreciate your likes in uh, YouTube. We'd love your comments. I mean, these are the types of things that really get us uh, elevated in our notoriety and as a result, allow for me to bring other valuable guests into this platform to help educate you and bring value to you. Um, it's really my pleasure to be able to do this show for you. And uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Carl White. Hey, Carl. It's good to see you, man. Thanks for good being to, on my show. It's good to be here, Tim. It's, uh, man, it's, uh, it's an honor, brother. It's, um, you know, it's kind of like, I think I said it to you last time we was talking, I, I feel like I'm talking to Frank Sinatra or something. Not that, <laughs> not that you're that old, but, uh, I but certainly it, don't have that good of a voice. I'll tell you yeah. that. <laughs> well, we haven't heard you sing just yet. So and you're not, you you're not going to hear me sing. Not bro. Hear you sing. <laughs> no, that ain't going to happen. Well, we'll keep that on the bucket list. <laughs> uh, that's a good way to start. Um, well, I mean, first of all, um, Actually, I want to dive into something that I, a little. We're going to get a little personal right out of the gate. How's the vegetarian diet doing? The last time you know, I talked to you, you told me that you and your wife had just started, and she was doing a lot of cooking. How's that going? It's it's going really well. So the, so my wife has always, since the day we met, and obviously her whole life, I would guess, it's just an absolute picture of health. And so she she's uh, I think other than being pregnant three times, um, she's probably a steady 110 pounds, pretty much you know, her whole life. She looks just, and our wedding was what, 35, six years ago. And uh, she looks almost like we got, we have a wedding picture up on in our living room. And it's embarrassing to me how much she looks like her now. And we're just not sure who that strange man is uh, standing <laughs> beside her. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's going really well. We watched this thing on Netflix and it just talked about the power of vegetarians. So, and you mm -hmm. know, there's all kinds of aspects to that. It's, it's like, you know, some people, uh, you know, it's a, a living creature. Right. And I, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I get that for us, it was watching this special on Netflix. I can't remember the name of it, but they did a study with some of the players of the Miami dolphins and they were looking at their performance and their performance increased drastically on this vegetarian diet where no cheese, no milk, no dairy, like a pure vegetarian diet. And I have to tell you now, so we're probably about not that long, like six weeks into it. And we committed for at least a year. 
So we're about six weeks into it. And uh, man, I feel better. My, uh, my, I go for a morning bicycle ride. Uh, I, go, I go 20 miles Monday through Thursday, and then I do 40 Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 40 each on each one of those days. And my time is shortened. I, it might be all mental, but whatever it is, it's, uh, it, it's going well. Well, that, what a lot of people don't realize is the amount of energy that's required to digest food. I mean, it's second only to the brain, which requires a lot of energy for thinking. Um, and if you reduce the requirements of the body to have to work so hard to digest food, then you actually have a surplus of energy for other things. So I'm not, I'm not at all surprised that your, um, your time has come down in your bike riding. Has your sleep been, has that changed at all? You know, it's a funny thing, Tim. I find as the years goes on, I need less and less sleep. And so I go to bed when I'm tired. I wake up. I get up when I wake up. So I don't, I don't live by alarm. It, I mean, if I'm traveling and I'm speaking at an event or something, I'll always set it to be on the safe side. But pretty much I go to bed at nine o'clock and pretty much I wake up between three and say four, four thirty. So I run about a six and a half hour, six hour, six and a half hour. And uh, so I've, I've always, I, I never had a trouble sleeping. So I, I, my sleeping has an increase. So no, I haven't a short, a, a long answer to your short question. I haven't noticed any difference with the sleep whatsoever. So I, I sleep very, very well. And when I wake up, I'm, I'm well rested, just not, I, I, I used to sleep about eight hours and now sometimes five, six hours, something like that. And, and I'm, I'm good to go. So back to the diet for a second. Um, you, you described something that sounded more like vegan than vegetarian. You said no cheese, no dairy. So are you, no eggs, nothing like that. No eggs. So no so ha, so it's then vegan, not not vegetarian, correct? Yeah. So it's and I, I don't know the difference between the two to be honest with you, but it's 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 one hundred percent plant based diet. Got it. If it, so doesn't, if it doesn't grow in the ground, yeah. We don't eat it. We don't drink it. So you're eating. You're eating probably a lot of legumes, a lot of beans, lentils, things like that to get your protein. That, that's exactly right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of legumes for sure, and which which I love. Yeah. And um, and and I'm 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 blessed that I've got a. Uh, it's really cool. So I've got a. Um, we call her a house manager, but I have a housekeeper that comes Monday through Friday, and she's from Brazil. And she's very versed, as we found out just recently, on on making vegetarian dishes. And even better, though, if I don't know if you've ever had Brazilian food, it's got a little bit of a um, pop to it, right? It's a mm -hmm. little spicy. They they mm -hmm. cook with a lot of spices, not just not just heat, but a lot of spices. And so I have to admit that that's made it considerably easier, mm. you know, when somebody else is not all the time, but most of the time doing it for us. Oh yeah. That it, uh, and especially doing it in a way. So I was, I was born here in the South in a very, very, very small, very rural town, uh, here in central Florida. And so we grew up on collards and, mm -hmm. you know, good old Southern food. And so having it with that Brazilian pop though, makes it a total new experience. And it's, uh, it is, man, it's going really well. That's one of the things that's, I think really difficult for, a lot of people to do a cleanse or, you know, a significant change in diet to eating clean or eating, even going vegan like you is that it, it essentially eliminates in many ways, the ability to eat out. I mean, you, you can still find meals out for sure. You know, you can go out and have a salad or have some soup, but you know, left, left to the restaurant's devices. I mean, you know, it's, it's 
in many cases not going to be you know the greatest meal and you can only do that so much so then you have to then take on the task of of preparing a lot of your own meals so to have somebody if nothing else just do the prep work for you is is hugely beneficial from a time management perspective because it takes takes a lot of time to prep food you got to go to the grocery store a lot and you know all those types of things but boy i'll tell you the the results can be can be tremendous. Anything about mental acuity that's changed for you? Like, do you feel like you're sharper in any way? Without question. I'd say, especially about as we're recording this today, it's uh, it's three o'clock my time. And especially as it gets closer to the afternoon, you have to keep in mind, I've been up for like 11 hours already, mm -hmm. right? So I get up really, really super early, just naturally. And so it used to be about three o'clock or so my time, I'm, I'm starting to like really slow down, get a little fuzzy, uh, not as clear thinking. And I've noticed that, uh, that that doesn't happen. So uh, my mind stays clear, I would say, up until about, it, not that it fogs, but you know, around seven o'clock or so, I can still, I can feel my mind uh, starting to shut down. Like, I can tell you in the past, we had scheduled this again, three o'clock my time to start. I would have, I would have, Honestly, I would have two months ago. I'd have called you up and say, "Hey, man, we got to do it sooner." At, at three o'clock, I'm, I'm toast, right? And so I've noticed that my mental acuity—it's not better in the beginning of my day because it's always been, I thought, pretty sharp. But it's it definitely my my uh, the the I don't know. Let's call it the bell-shaped curve has definitely broadened out where I feel sharper for a longer period of, of time during the day. No question. Do you drink coffee when you or any kind of caffeine when you first wake up? Uh, no, I, I I used to, but I haven't. I went off caffeine probably about three years ago, and I go to strictly. Uh, I, I drink a lot of teas, but they're they're non they're not decaf. They're just non caffeinated teas, like a lot mm -hmm. of Roy Boss and and uh, uh, other teas that mm -hmm. are that are either extremely low. Like I'll drink green tea, which is uh, has some caffeine, but not much. But no, I I I, I went off of uh, caffeine, which was uh, which which was. Well, I, that was a, that was not an easy detox. It was mm -hmm. a short detox, but it was not, it was not an easy one for sure. Severe headaches, a little mm -hmm. bit of irritability, uh, but it lasted maybe three, four days and then, you know, totally fine. I've detoxed off of other things that took much, much, much longer. Uh, yeah, that and sugar are the, the tough ones for me. Whenever I do like a cleanse or something, it, it, those are the ones that are painful for, for a few days. But then once you get on the other side of it, it's pretty glorious. Yeah. What's your morning routine look like? I mean, you're up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. You got plenty of uh, plenty of space and quiet time to execute on, I'm sure, a lot of things. What's that look like for you? You know, my morning is strictly chill uh, up until about 9 o'clock. So I get up, let's see the average morning, let's say Four. And so I'll get up. Uh, we've got two little hairless cats, uh, which is a whole nother story. So yeah, we got these little sphinx. So I'll the first half hour, I'll, I'll get up, I'll come downstairs, uh, feed them. And then usually by about, say, five, say 5 a.m., I'll, uh, I'll get on my bicycle. And uh, we've got a marvelous thing here. It's called the Pinellas Trail. Where it's one of those it used to be a train track and they converted over to a bicycle track. And if I head south, it goes about 30 miles. If I head north, it goes about at least a hundred miles, maybe like 120 miles. So I've got like a 150 mile, like one way, you know, if I, uh, so they tell me, right. I haven't, I haven't been all 150 miles, but so they tell me. 
And so I, I do my bicycle ride and uh, start about five o'clock and hit that little trail. So there's no, there's no cars there. There's other bicyclists, believe it or not, but I don't have to worry about getting hit by a car or anything like that. So, uh, so I got, you know, some lights just so other bikers it, it, and it's, a you'd be amazed on how many people's out there, you know, starting at like six o'clock or so fair amount, fair, fair amount is out there. And I see the same people uh, pretty much every morning. Uh, some of them we've waved to each other for the last three years, literally every morning have no clue what their name is. We've never stopped and uh, said hello, which I thought about that the other day. I said, you know, one of these days I'm going to make a point to, uh, to stop and at least just say, Hey, you know, we passed each other for the last three years. My name's Carl. What's yours? You know? Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so I do my bicycle ride. Um, some, some mornings is 20, some is 25. Again, I said on, on the Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I do 40. And, uh, so I, I finished that, um, takes me about, I don't know, hour and a half, maybe something like that to do That's the twenties. Awesome. Uh, I'm on a little beach kind of cruiser. So I, I started, I, I got, I got a road bike, but the problem is I, I'd get it done faster than what I wanted. And, and so I got something with thicker tires. So it's just a little harder to pedal. So it, it takes me a little longer. And, uh, and on that, I'll listen to pot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, listen to something pot, like I'll listen to something spiritual for a little bit. Then I'll listen to something positive for a little bit. And then I'll listen to something educational for a little bit and, uh, get home. Uh, me and the lovely wife sit on the front porch. We'll have our morning tea. We sit out there overlooking the dock, hold hands, have our morning tea. We'll do that for probably, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes, something like that. And, uh, I'll go around the, uh, we've got a little lake here on the property. So I'll go out and feed the birds, feed the fish and uh, come back in, take my shower for the day at uh, 8.55. I sit down in my chair and I start work promptly at uh, like 8.50, like right at nine o'clock in the morning. What a beautiful, beautiful intentionality behind your morning. I mean, the, so many, I think so many people end up, kind of you know going straight from waking up into rushing into life and mm. then are caught up with a incredibly busy mind and then get wiped out by the latter half of the day like you described and then come home and find it incredibly difficult to be present incredibly difficult to make time for a workout incredibly difficult to do anything for their own personal growth and well-being and they just go right back at it again the next day and what i like that you've done is you've reverse engineered the process and you've said i'm going to make these these important things like holding my wife's hand and having a cup of tea in the morning or feeding my cats that you clearly have a, a, an affinity for i could just feel it in the way that you described it um and and you know taking in your spiritual and you're getting your exercise in you're putting that first and then orchestrating a day after that and it, it would strike me that you probably have a lot less guilt that way too right like i mean you don't feel like you you know, you didn't make deposits into your own personal health bank account mm. and your own, your, your, your marital bank account and these types of things. You made that your, your first choice, which is really awesome. Well, you know, uh, it, you, you know, what I found is as time has gone on, time is a wonderful thing. You know, it's a great teacher if we listen, right? And I, I trust me, I've gone through periods of my life where I didn't listen, but if we, if we listen, time is a wonderful teacher. And I've learned that for, for me, the experiences are far, far surpass things. And that I can like, 
you know, the, the time I spend with my lovely bride in the morning or enjoying my bike ride in the morning, I enjoy that way more than the next model up of, I don't know, my Mercedes or my Ferrari or like whatever those, uh, having an, a, an extra bedroom that I'm not going to use on my house or whatever, you know, whatever those things are. And those are all nice things. Don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy those things, but it's, it's really the, it's the experiences that I, like if I look back and, and I'd say this is, is, I would think this is true for all of us. If we look back to what we reminisce about, say 20 years ago, it wasn't the, that our model of our car was the XL model. It was who was in the car with us. It was where we went to and we sat out and watched the sunrise that day. You know, it's the, those are the things we remember, not the, I had a gold plated doorknob per se, you know, or I don't, I don't reminisce on the, whatever, the, whatever the granite countertops in the kitchen, you know, kind of thing. Again, all fine things to have, but the, the experience is what we reminisce on and that, uh, at least for me anyway, it's where my fond memories are. So I, I really, really, really focus on the experiences and uh, way, 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 way less than the, uh, I enjoy the nice things, don't get me wrong, but they don't bring me the joy like the experiences do. Yeah, as you were saying that, it, something kind of popped into my head of like, okay, well, we all as human beings are prone to attachment. Um, Wait, say that again? We're all, we're all prone to attachment. Mm. Our, our egos get us attached to certain things. And what, wouldn't it be interesting, or I think what you just described is that your attachment is not to the material item as much as it is the experience. So redirecting the attachment to, mm. I'm attached to having radical, amazing, connected experiences with people in my life. Uh, whether it be vacations or just a morning on the front porch with my wife over a cup of tea or just sitting down and having a meal and, and you know, or reading a book together or whatever, th those are healthy attachments to have because, you know, you're right, bro. I mean, like when we're about ready to take that last breath, mm -hmm. we're not going to be like, oh man, I really wish that I would have got that red Porsche when I was 46. You know, we're going to, we're going to be like, yeah, I, I'm, I wish that I would have spent one more day. You know, I heard this amazing, um, wow, this, this popped in my head. I was listening to, I was listening to Joe Rogan interview Peter Atia, mm -hmm. and it's been floating around a little bit on Instagram now, this clip, um, which isn't surprising me because it really stopped me on my tracks. I was driving my car and this guy, Peter Atia was telling um, about a, a friend of his who gave him an exercise to do. And here was the exercise. It was for, because Peter Atia, I guess, has a couple of, um, a couple of kids that are a little bit of a handful, you know, and, and they're in their like, you know, 10, 10, 12 years old range. And he said, when, when you're having one of those moments where you're just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't be present with this. I can't tolerate this. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to envision yourself as an 80 year old man. Mm. And I want you to, to envision that you're being given the choice of one more opportunity to be in this moment right now, the one that you're rejecting, would you take it or would you not? And the answer is you're going to take it every time. Mm. You know, it's like, it's, it's putting that perspective around it and realizing, you know what, 
these moments are the things that make life precious, you know, and, and it's not, as you said, those material items. So thank you for bringing that up. And thanks for sharing a little bit about your morning routine and uh, gives me a feel for who you are too. I, I'm, I'm yeah. glad I started off there because as I'm getting to know you, um, that tells me a little bit about like what's important to you, what your values are in your life, et cetera. Yeah, uh, can, can I tell you, Tim, Tim, like we have the chance to hang out, brother. I'd put me in a double wide out, in a, out by a lake somewhere with Tim Brahim for an afternoon and sitting out there on the front porch, drinking a tea for me would be some carrot sticks and some hummus. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's right. That's right. Versus sitting at the Ritz Carlton at Laguna beach. Right. Yeah. Awesome uh -huh. place. But I'm just as good in the, like, yeah, it's who I'm with is more important than even than than yeah, who I'm with, who I'm with is more important than where I'm at when I'm with them. Because I I remember the person, the interactions, and the sharing of the things more so than the. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love traveling. I love Norway and Paris and London and Amsterdam is one of my favorite cities in the world, and I love all those things. But it's the people that I'm with when I'm there, and I know you've done a lot of traveling in Italy. I, I remember it, and I know for sure. And it's the it's the it's the people that I enjoy more, or that I remember more by far, you know, than than where we're at is in, in, inconsequential. Like it, it, mm -hmm. it almost doesn't matter. Well, you've been to a lot of shitty places in your life with somebody great, and you have a good memory. But you've been, and you've also been mm -hmm. to a lot of great places with nobody that was special to you and not had a good memory. And I love the fact that you love Amsterdam because that's absolutely one of the best cities in the world. I've been there a few times, man. It's magic there. I love I love Amsterdam architecture the bikes the bridges what's, what's your favorite city in the world uh florence because that's that's my city i mean that's where i lived uh for a year when i lived in italy and i'll be going back there in about 30 days um and yeah no i go there every year but and a part of why but to your point carl i mean florence is a magical city period but it's incredibly magical to me because i have many many friends there so like when I go there, it's it's Florence is about the people that I get to go be with and have a long lunch with, have a long meal with, you know, go for a walk with, which is like another just cool feature of Italy is the the phrase is passeggiata. So like somebody would say to you, uh, con me passeggiata. Do you want to go for a walk with me? Like, mm. like, like I might say that to you, like guys say that to guys all the time. Hey, do you want to go for a walk with me? And we just go for a walk, like in the city, just walk and talk and maybe grab a coffee. And that's it. That's such a beautiful custom, you know, you know Steve, to... Steve Jobs was famous for doing that. What, was he going for yeah, a walk yeah, in the city? He was famous for that. Like if he wanted to have a business meeting with you, you go for a walk. Yeah. It's, you get, first of all, it's very healthy because your mind gets more creative when it's, when your body's in movement much more so, but just to like, it's a part of that connection thing though, that you're talking about. I mean, that's what life is about is about connecting with other people and that's what brings it, brings joy. So let's transition. Let's get like businessy here for a minute. I, I want to talk to you about marketing. Cause I mean, I think that's your wheelhouse and, and I'm super curious about, your background on marketing. I know it's a passion of yours. I know that um, you've helped a lot of people um, with your marketing mind. Um, so let's dive in there and let's talk about what one needs to be doing right now with marketing. I mean, take it wherever you want to go, but I'm going to, I'm going to pull the, pull over to the side here and let you run now. I love marketing, man. It, it, to me, marketing, it's like going fishing where we try different lures and we we try different tugs of the fishing pole to see what what uh you know what's what's working today so i i i love marketing it's uh 
it's like, gosh, I want to say it's a game because I don't want it's because it's a serious thing. But I love the um, I love you know what it is, man. I love testing stuff. So I actually believe it or not, my uh, my degree is in uh, I have a, a master's in chemistry, uh, oddly enough, and uh, which whole another story. And um, and so the the thing I liked about chemistry was the testing of stuff and the and and the research, and I just love that stuff. And so marketing is really that way as what gets people to take action on something. And which, by the way, let's just go ahead and assume that whatever you have is worthy of being marketed. Right. First thing you need to do is have an amazing product because I can have great marketing with a bad product, and we're we're bringing bad things to the world, not good things. And I'm a karma guy. Karma is my best friend. So first of all, we have to make sure that we have an amazing product, right? And Tim, you've been known for that. You're, as far as I've known anyway, your whole life that I've known you in the in the mortgage business, you've always had just a phenomenal product, right? And so it makes the marketing part easy, but like, it's just, it's just trying the different thing to see what works. Because I learned long ago, uh, when I started off as a loan officer, I was about one year in the business when I had this revelation that I wasn't a loan officer. I was a marketer that happened to be marketing loan officer services. And when I had, when I got that clarity in my mind, it was a game changer for me that a great loan officer knows how to fill out a 1003 and how to run DU. A great marketer knows how to attract the clients that, that we have a loan to do in the first place. So we can be a great loan officer and starve. If we're a great marketer, I mean, we can hire the help to be the loan officer part. You know, because it doesn't take a, I, I, I see, how do I say this? I don't want this to come the wrong way. Like, look, taking an application, just not that hard. Name, address, social security number. Like, it's just not that hard. So the hard part is getting the phone ring to take that application in the first place. That's the person that makes all the money. The person that makes the fries doesn't make any money. The person that gets that car to drive up to the drive through to begin with, that's the person that makes, you know, the money and, and that drives the engine and brings goodness to the world. Because I can be the best cake maker in the world, but if nobody knows it, it doesn't matter. Well, hello friends, and I hope that you're enjoying this episode of the 360 Experience Podcast. To listen to the remainder of this episode, please visit us at The Loan Atlas, where you will also find the most comprehensive resource for mortgage professionals to build their practice, backed by the greatest faculty that's ever been assembled in the mortgage industry. Check us out at the link below or go to theloanatlas.com. Look forward to having you as a guest on our next episode of the 360 Experience Podcast.